Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Matt Spitz. Matt, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to the chat. We've, we've talked a little bit offline, but uh, tell a little bit, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, my name is Matt. Hello. Today I'm the head of engineering at Vanta. Um, I grew up in San Francisco and uh, lived in New York for about a decade, uh, working at various companies, large and small, a uh, bunch of different types of engineering roles, IC, management roles, other leadership roles. Um, Moved back to San Francisco in uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, joined Vanta about a year and a half ago in 2020. Prior to Vanta, I spent six years at Dropbox, yeah. opening and leading the New York City office before um, moving back to be closer to family in San Francisco. I thought uh, I thought I'd seen a, a short video of you during your in your Dropbox era, and and uh, as we I try to do a little bit of research on all of our guests, so I'm asking good questions, but. I'm I'm really curious. Talk about just Vanta as a whole. Like, when was it started? What was the kind of the genesis of of why Vanta was created? Yeah. So Vanta was Vanta was started near the end of 2016, early 2017, in the wake of a number of high-profile data breaches. You can think of things like the 2016 election or um, the Equifax data breach, where a lot yeah. of personal information was leaked and sort of the insight is that there are a lot of companies out there that don't practice good security. And part of the I'll challenge- that's that, an understatement. Well, it's <laughs> true. A lot, it's for me, most. <laughs> well, especially as, as you follow the, the headlines since, um, you know, you keep reading about these things. And the sort of root cause and core challenges here are kind of one security is not very accessible for many people there's a sort of like well you know if i need to if i need security i'll wait to hire a head of security because i don't know anything about security and i right. can't it. um when in fact that's not true there are a lot of simple things that companies can do to be more secure the other part of the problem is that the incentives to be secure today are often in service of proving compliance standards, mm -hmm. things like SOC 2 right. or ISO 2701. And the problem with that is that those compliance standards are audited by humans annually. And so it's like a very point in time assessment mm -hmm. and companies can make a big push to like be more secure when it's time to, when the auditor's looking, but don't necessarily practice security continuously because it's understandable people have a lot of things to do. And so with the combination of security means securing your entire company's surface area and the fact that the incentives in security today are such that many companies don't practice it unless an auditor is looking means that many companies are vulnerable to um, potential data breaches or attacks. And we see that. And there's a lot of sensitive customer and company data that's out there mm -hmm. in the form of um, healthcare information or uh, financial information or personally identifiable information that's unfortunately freely available on the on the internet because of these data breaches. 
I have a feeling that it's one of those services that it, it's not sexy. It doesn't, you know, it's hard to say this is going to generate revenue, so to speak. It's almost like a safeguard. So it's like mm -hmm. one of those things. We will do it when we have budget for it. We will do it when we have budget left over, <laughs> when we have some excess cash, when we see a real need. We haven't grown to the point that we're even a target yet. I mean, I could just, you know, just imagine a litany of excuses why, you know, companies would choose not to have that and say, yeah, we're, we tick that box once a year when the, when the, the, the feds come by <laughs> to check on that. So what is, is it, is it a steep learning curve to kind of explain the value to companies or to, to show value? Yeah. So the, just going back to what you were saying, I think you're right. Like companies, it's hard to quantify risk mitigation when you're talking to companies and, and, and truly when you start a company, there's nothing to lose. Literally you have nothing and you have no customers, you have no data, there's nothing to lose. And so often what happens is that companies kind of go past the point where they should have been caring about security and they haven't invested yet. And the way they find out about that is via an incident, like a data breach. And so a lot of companies reactively invest in security for risk mitigation, mm -hmm. but aren't proactive about doing so. Fortunately, and this is increasingly true as there's more and more regulation in the world. Achieving compliance standards is an, as an unblocks business opportunities. And so sure. in the currency of security today is in the form of compliance standards like SOC 2. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm a software buyer and my team wants to use some recruiting tool or some payroll tool or whatever, or something that might have uh, access to interesting data for my company. My way of checking as to whether that company should be trusted with my data today is do they have a SOC 2 compliance? Right. And so for many companies, for many small companies, their first experience with, with security is via achieving a compliance standard. Yeah, so we, in terms of proving Vanta's value, yes, there's a sort of like, um, platonic ideal of you should practice better security. Here's a way that you can practice better security. The way that many of our customers get hooked on it is when security goes up the prioritization list because it unblocks a business deal or it enables right, right, right. So there's, I mean, there's certainly a tie into revenue generating, you know, opportunities. But it's interesting. It's almost like you know, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if repeating back to what I heard you say is that you know, the, the compliance may be the entry point for Vanta. And then maybe there's some add-on services or there's some, you know, additional benefits that you could show, you know. Um, but it's it's really interesting. If, you, if you're talking to a company and you're giving them kind of the elevator pitch of Vanta, what does it sound like? Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, again, because uh, many companies don't, uh, aren't incentivized to practice better security until something bad happens. The, the immediate value add and the, the, the painkiller that Vitamin offers, that Vanta offers, is that you need to figure out compliance and we can help you do that. And to what you were saying earlier, you know, we have this saying, come for compliance, stay for security. Sure. The reason why people come in is because they need, they don't understand this alphabet soup of compliance standards. And I'm like, right. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what this means. Like, please help me with this. We kind of give them a playbook for here's, here's what SOC 2 or HIPAA or ISO or recently PCI 
Um, here's what this means for your business. And here are some tools that you can use to automate whether you are actually adhering to those standards or not, mm -hmm. like giving you checks and real-time information as to whether you're adhering to these standards. And through that process, we end up being involved in the creation of many of these companies' security programs because this right. is allowed to interact with security for the first time. And in doing so, we can make security more accessible and easier to practice and lower the effort that companies need to expend in order to practice better security. And you know, if you look at a company's priority list around like, well, I got to build new product and I got to, uh, you know, go get new customers and I got to, you know, listen to this customer feedback, et cetera. And security is really hard and there's not an obvious benefit. If we make it easier, companies are more likely to practice it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we that our customers too. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting, like, you know, I, I want to say five, but it may be closer to 10. You, you rarely heard if, if you even heard at all, you didn't hear the term CIO or CISO, you know, or that, that those were, those are almost roles that were created out of some of these major breaches that you were talking about or the, the need and the, the increased regulation around that. So what, what do you think is the biggest exposure that a company has? I mean, I'm thinking almost like in binary terms here, it's either non-compliance, which is, you know, you can, you're subject to a large fine or you have a major breach and suddenly Equifax is not a trusted, you know, information holder anymore. And so people are, are bailing, you know, on Equifax and wanting to go somewhere else because they want to go somewhere that it's, that is a trusted vendor or, you know, maybe customers are leaving. So what's the, what's the biggest exposure? Well, you mean the biggest cost of not investing in security? Yeah. Potential cost to, to a company. Yeah. I mean, you can map it in dollars, right? Like if you're, you can get fined if you're not compliant with certain things, um, with certain standards and are transacting business that requires that sort of compliance. But a lot of it is just, um, as you said earlier, like reputation risk, mm -hmm. um, potentially like financial risk in a competitor, potentially having all the information that you have. There's a trust risk with losing yep. customers because they don't trust you anymore. Um, you know, in very real dollar amounts, there's ransomware also where a company takes some interesting IP that you have and sells it back to you for some absurd sum. Like there's a very real, um, there's a very real cost potentially in not investing in security. So it sounds like to me that the, the fine may be a drop in the bucket compared to the potential exposure on the, on the breach side. Oh yeah. I mean, especially like a company that's, that's handling sensitive information like credit card data, health care, right. and things that are their customers trust that company with that. Um, that can be a huge breach. Uh, I mean, a breach of trust in addition to a breach of data. Right. right. That can, that can end companies. And, and um, historically probably has. So wait, I mean, you're, you're kind of in this space. I'm sure you go to conferences. I'm sure you even listen maybe to podcasts, you know, related to this type of thing or, you know, reading articles, and just staying current does, I mean, we hear about kind of the major ones, you know, mm -hmm. the, the real major data breaches, but does this happen virtually all the time to say mid-sized companies and, you know, smaller companies that maybe, maybe never make the news? Uh, there are certainly data breaches that don't make the news. And some of this is due to, you know, there just being a lot of them and maybe the companies are not well-known or whatever. Right. A lot of data breaches aren't even known by the companies themselves. And it's that's even scarier later that it's revealed that 
a company had been hacked and their usernames and passwords had been stolen and available on the internet for years before the public knows about it or even the company knows about it. And some of that is due to some of that is due to like the company literally not knowing about it. And some of it is due to the company withholding that information mm-hmm. because knowing about a data breach has negative implications. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a reputation risk, like you mentioned, you know, loss of business. It's interesting. I work for a large nonprofit during the day and and we had a we actually had a data breach, you know, where somebody just hacked into the system and, you know, got some information. And it's uh I, I probably once a month I get an email from somebody that says, you know, your information has potentially been compromised, you know, for, mm-hmm. for some reason, you know, we don't think it's this, this part of the information, it might just be this, but, you know, just to be safe, it's probably good to change your password, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. So, I mean, it is, it is a constant battle. And um, a friend of mine is, is, I mean, he's in the, the computer information security space. And, and I, we talk all the time. I said, it's like, is it a, is it a, like this, cosmic game of whack-a-mole <laughs> where you're really i mean it's just like you know there's just these breaches popping up everywhere and you're just trying to whack them one at a time yeah that's actually that's actually not far off there's like <clears throat> a common analogy that i like to use is that securing a company is like securing a house and it is true that one way to break into the house is to climb up the tree and bore a hole through the third story window, very carefully open the door, climb in the window, dive under the laser beam and steal the jewels. (laughs) But the easiest way to break into a house is to walk through an unlocked front door or climb through an open window. And the problem with security, and you know, it's, it's very easy to lock the front door and to keep the window closed. And the problem is that when you talk about a company, a lot of the things you can do and like 90 plus percentage of data breaches are due to very simple things like a misconfigured server or right. a uh, an S3 bucket that has sensitive information in it, on, in it that's publicly accessible on the internet or somebody doesn't have two-factor authentication turned on and they get mm-hmm. fished because they get a suspicious email. Like all of those are relatively simple to explain and they're relatively simple to close but this house has 150 front doors. Exactly. And uh, helping a company first understand what those potential risks are to their system. Mm-hmm. And then also offering them the tools to help keep the doors closed is a major value add and a major source of peace of mind for many of these companies to just eliminate the first 90% of reasons yeah. why a company might get hacked or breached. I mean, do you, do you feel that companies expect you to have a hundred percent protection or do they understand that, you know, there, there's always going to be something new, you know, that, that might somehow breach the walls or, you know, from what, what is the expectation of companies that hire Vanta? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, so what we do is we help companies monitor their own security posture and it's, you know, sort of we can, we apply sort of an 80-20 rule where an insight is that a lot of companies look very similar today. They're using cloud tooling. Um, they're not building things in their own data centers. Right. Um, they're hiring people potentially in a remote first environment rather than physically securing servers in their office. In right. their closet. We're talking about securing the data that they have on AWS or GCP or Azure or things like that. And because of that, and because those cloud services have APIs, we have an ability to monitor a good portion of that company's security posture. Mm-hmm. 
we don't we aren't able to monitor everything, but at least we're able to monitor um, a very common surface area for companies. And you know, we can't tell companies about things that they don't give us access to or that we can't have right. access. To. Right. Um, but in many ways, like the biggest things you need to secure are your people and your infrastructure. And uh, we have pretty reasonable coverage on that to kind of help people make sure that the right people have access to the right data and that the where the data is stored is not misconfigured in such a way where someone mm -hmm. can easily get access to it. I mean, does Vanta have its own exposure? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so I think- like, What would be some of the, I mean, you know, you're the guards <laughs> around the house. I mean, is your guard shack under assault or, you know, what's the, take that metaphor out a little, little further. No, sure. I mean, I think like, so what's really interesting for me being the head of engineering at Vanta is that I am our customer in many ways. Our customers are people that like are leading engineering at small companies that have a lot of mm -hmm. priorities that are growing quickly and have an interesting surface area of attack. Vanta itself has grown like 6x in the last 18 months since I joined in terms of headcount and customers and revenue and all. And just it's growing really quickly in a great way. And so I get to, as a user of our product, get to have an understanding and provide feedback such that we can help those other 2000 plus customers secure themselves. Right. Um, and so some of the things that we do, obviously we are Vanta customer, we use Vanta to monitor our own infrastructure identity configurations. Um, we've also recently um, spun up a formal security program and hired somebody to run it. Um, that can, you know, it's, that can handle a lot of things that are uh, not automatable or something that we haven't productized yet. And some of the great, some of the great part about that, and again, like the nature of the business we're in, is the things that we do to secure ourselves, we can productize and help mm -hmm. two thousand plus customers. For sure, for sure, and I'm and almost in a beta, beta mark, you know, in a beta test environment, you know, as you're. You can you can make mistakes on yourself, you know, without without creating a, a breach, you know, that type of thing. But two things I want to uh, I want to kind of drill down on. One is, you know, you you've used the term kind of SOC two compliance for the layperson out there. What exactly is that? What does that mean for business owners? Yeah, totally. So as I mentioned earlier, SOC two is a compliance standard. It's the sort of currency of security today, where um, and sort of what I mean by that is that the compliance standard itself is a series of principles, things like you hire trustworthy people, you keep sensitive data safe, like very, very fuzzy things. I think the standard was written in the nineties or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the exercise for many, the exercise of getting SOC 2 compliant is to take these principles, understand how they apply to your company, and then work with an auditor to prove to that auditor that you are demonstrating these principles. Right. Um, and before Vanta, what that looked like was hiring a consultant to come in and kind of explain what is SOC to go on a vision quest with you and help you understand the possible controls that apply uniquely to your business. And then sort of direct you towards the sort of evidence that you might use to prove that you're adhering to controls. And that evidence comes in the form of screenshots and spreadsheets and things like that, such that a human auditor 
can look at all that information, all the information that you provided at a point in time, they're evaluating it at a point in time. They're not going to look at everything. If you talk about two-factor authentication, they're not going to look that all 200 of your employees have it. So right. they'll ask about five. Right. And just, just to check. It's, like, it's like an audit. Yeah. Like a financial audit type thing. Exactly. And in fact, uh, yeah. So, um, and then they write up a report and they give you a, a stamp and then you get to use that stamp to go prove that you are, uh, that you have good security because this auditor says that you're SOC 2 compliant. And is this annual, this every five years, what's the, what's kind of the, the time period there? SOC 2 is annual. So now is, do you become, I guess in some ways, like the de facto security, you know, are, are you the CISO of a, of a company out there potentially if they don't have that? Does Vanna play yeah. that role? I mean, I think the a better way to put, I think so, so sort of yes. I mean, I think that like what the role of a CISO does extends beyond what any particular product can do. Mm-hmm. However, um, I think one, one good analogy on this is that there are many HR platforms out there. Gusto is an example that you can um, onboard employees, do payroll and benefits and things like that. They don't replace an HR team, but they right. can help delay needing to hire an expert there. Absolutely. Um, because they make those things accessible to people who don't have that expertise. Right. And Vanta makes security accessible to an engineering team that maybe doesn't have experience with security before and maybe doesn't need to hire for that expertise for a little right. bit. Right. Uh, that, that's, a, that's, that's exactly kind of what I was thinking that that may be kind of, it's almost like an interim role, you know, at, before the company can grow into the, you know, the size that they might need their own you know, internal department. But as we, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are small business owners and small to medium sized business owners and founders. So talk a little bit of just about security, you know, what are the things that they need to be cognizant of? Um, you know, just, just in general, just how do you protect yourself in this space? Yeah. And I think I'm, yeah, happy to go into that. I think, especially for small business owners, mm-hmm. a lot of the practices and decisions that you make early influence the ability to have a strong security posture in the future. Mm. And I think sort of in contrast, what ends up happening is a lot of companies don't think about security from the, from the get-go. And when they have to, or when they get breached, then they have to kind of like unearth and undo a lot of work in order to make processes more secure. Whereas if you design them with an eye towards security in the first place, then you wouldn't have to worry about it in two years when you actually have serious security risk. That is a good word. Um, word. Some of the principles that I would share um, in terms of like thinking about one security is... One is just centralizing your, the surface area for your risk. And the principle here is like, it's easier to secure one thing than it is to secure hundred things. Mm-hmm. And so if you're using something like single sign-on right. using Google or Okta or whatever, now there's one place where people have access to something or not have access to something. And you can turn people's access on and off, um, centrally rather than having to go into all of the accounts that they may have access to when they leave the company. Um, is to, that Azure? Is Azure kind of the same system like Microsoft Azure? Um, I, Office, uh, sorry, Microsoft has Office 365 for one okay. login. 
for a single sign-on login. Um, right. But like, yeah, like Google, Google Sign-On or Okta or Office 365. Those are all identity providers that can centralize ownership. Right. Um, another thing is uh, for companies that have infrastructure or tech stacks, like codifying your infrastructure as code um, is really is really one way to have a, a strong sense of what's actually happening out there. And maybe just to explain that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you went all blockchain on me there. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, don't worry about that. So um, for example, like AWS is a, a tool that you can use to like spin up servers that you're running for your, for your production infrastructure. And they have a little tool that you, they have a web interface that you can use to like click buttons and make things make your S3 buckets private or public and spinning up uh, spinning up new instances and things like that. And that's great, but it's really easy for, it's really easy to accidentally introduce security vulnerabilities. And unless you go back and look at the configuration for all of those things all the time, um, you're not going to, you're not going to spot the issues. Right. And a tool like Vanta can sort of inspect your configuration and kind of make sure that things are, that things are uh, behaving as you expected and configured as you expect. But there are tools that you can use to codify your expectations even before they're deployed to Amazon. Things like Terraform or CloudFormation. They allow you to define your infrastructure in code rather than clicking buttons in a web interface. Mm -hmm. And things like that sort of give people more confidence in what they're actually deploying out there. And the more you can invest in that early, um, and developing your infrastructure and developing your processes at one time, the more that you're able to um, to scale them and going forward. And uh, have better processes in place when you do grow, when you do scale. So what is, uh, what if you were going to describe kind of the ideal demographic of Vanta's like ideal client, their avatar client, what was that? What would it look like? What size is the company? Are they in any particular industry? What does it look like? Yeah, so in terms of the the people who come to Vanta and need our help, or the people that, that for whom Vanta really resonates, tends to be CTOs or heads of engineering at small companies who are trying to achieve a compliance standard for the first time. Um, as I mentioned earlier, interacting with compliance is often a company's first uh, experience with security. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that you do to design a formal security program uh, overlap with what you need to prove in terms of compliance. And so these companies tend to be on the order of two people to 200 people maybe before they need to start interacting with this stuff. Um, they tend to be relative, I mean, just because of the size tend to be relatively newer companies, which means they're running on more modern tech stacks. Right more usage of AWS rather than servers in the closet or mm -hmm. data centers and things like that. Um, the companies that get the most out of Vanta are ones for whom we can connect to a lot of their data. And the more of, the, of their data is expressed in cloud services that have APIs, which is true. That's a trend that that's the, where the world's going. But the more companies that have, um, more companies for whom their security surface area is expressed in, can be queried via API, the more we can pull information about that and verify that security posture. You keep, you keep using the word um, Vanta, the, the tool of Vanta or the software or whatever that is. So is this, is this an 
off the shelf solution? Are you consultants? Are you, you know, is it all the above? I mean, we're kind of a one-stop shop for, for this. I mean, we've got, you've got humans, we have, you know, software, we've got, you know, product apps, whatever it is. I mean, what is describe Vanta kind of in a nutshell? Yeah, for sure. So everything is centered around the product that we offer. And the product fundamentally is a piece of software that's a single pane of glass that gives a company visibility into their security posture. Regardless of systems, size, whatever. To the extent that we have visibility into the information you've provided us, whether that's through APIs or documents mm -hmm. that you've uploaded, we can centralize that. And right. so things like uh, automating employee onboarding and making sure that people encrypt their hard drives and accept security training and do background checks. Like we can track all of that and surface it in the product um, for things like infrastructure configuration or um, making sure that people are offboarded correctly. Like if things are not, if we detect issues, if our tests fail, you'll see that in a dashboard and you'll get notifications. Mm -hmm. It's all sort of, it's all sort of built around this product. As a company, there are other things that you need to help with your security posture, like hiring someone to do a penetration test, um, like trying to break into your system in a friendly way right. and tell what vulnerabilities you might right. have. Um, the white hat hackers. <laughs> right. And some of that, you know, that is, that is something that we, uh, we have relationships with the companies that can provide those services. And we, mm -hmm. um, we help a company kind of we help a company set up their security program, but the product that we offer is a really big part of it and the sort of center place where everything happens. Right. And are there partnerships out there? Like if you do discover, you know, breaches, if you do discover some issues or whatever, you have other companies that you can kind of bring on board alongside you that might specialize in, in you know, solving those issues. Yeah, and we partner with many of those companies. So right. often our customers come to us and say, hey, I don't know anything about security and compliance. Can you help me with this? And we say, yes, here is our product. Also, you, um, if, you need to, if you need a penetration test, here's a series of vendors that we can uh, help with. If you need help sort of running your security program and need consultants for that, we can refer business to other people. Mm -hmm. We want to be the one-stop shop for uh, companies' security and compliance needs. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.